This is M.I.P. With Masamela Mafumo. Mark Thompson. Get woke. Ladies and gentlemen, we want to talk about Title 42 and what that means and the impact that it is having and is going to have long term. We're very happy to be joined by the president and CEO of Upwardly Global, Gina Krauss-Vilmar joins us. Gina, thank you and welcome to Make It Plain. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me. It is an honor to have you. So uh, 42 has actually ended, correct? That's correct. 42 was initiated under the Trump administration as a way to prevent people from coming in because of public health safety concerns. And that was initiated because of COVID. So um, that ended a couple of weeks ago. So what impact will that have now? The reality is is it's not going to have that much of an impact because what's been replaced is, in effect, an asylum ban. Um, So what the Biden administration has done is is it sent out a message saying, pretty much, don't come to the border. Um, And if you want to seek your legal right to asylum, um, you need to go through regional processing centers that are based in Guatemala or Colombia and seek asylum there. And if you do come to the border, you have to show that you first tried to get asylum in your first country of transit, were denied in that country, and therefore are now seeking asylum in the United States. And what the effect is, is actually, we only have a trickle of people coming into the country. Now, people knew if Title 42 was ending, and so you have a about 150,000 people or more sitting on the Mexican side of the border, um, desperately trying to get in. But you also have large numbers of individuals that came in before Title 42 um, ended, both legally and illegally, to seek asylum. Now, I want to be clear. The right to seek safety in the United States is enshrined in U.S. law. Mm-hmm. And it is states that you can seek asylum regardless of how you came in, regardless of what countries you went through to get into the country, you have that right. And so in this case, there are legal lawsuits against the administrations that claim that um, this, in effect, asylum ban that it's replaced with Title 42 is denying people their legal rights to seek safety. And obviously, um, in the past, when, when people could invoke issues around health and COVID, that's no longer applicable at all, right? That's correct. Yeah. But but the other issues that people normally seek asylum for, you're saying to us um, that that's in jeopardy and the Biden administration has pretty much locked that down. Talk to us about some of the issues that are going on in Mexico or elsewhere um, when people make their case for asylum. Yeah. So people make their case for asylum because they're being persecuted in their home country. Um, We have, for example, a large number of Venezuelans who have sought asylum in the United States because of political persecution from the government there. Um, People seek asylum because they are at risk or jeopardy because of their identity, Mm -hmm. whether that's because of their political affiliation, because they're LGBTIQIA+, um, etc. And so... 
these are all um, reasons that are enshrined in international law. You cannot seek asylum in the United States because you wish to find a job here. Um, that is not a legal right. But what we do find is that for people who do seek asylum and uh, process that through USCIS, over 63% of cases are approved, which means the majority of those cases are approved. And we know that that number would be even higher if people had appropriate access to legal counsel to fill out the paperwork. What percentage are approved, you said? Right now, 63%. All right. So, so it's not as if there's a tendency for a majority of people not to have a, a valid case. If it's 63%, a lot of people have a valid case. 100%. That's correct. And the argument here is, and even more people, that 63% would increase if all those people had access to legal counsel. I see, I got you. Uh, but now, and we're now, uh, uh, we're not only, I mentioned Mexico, but we're not just only talking about Mexico, we're talking about other countries as well, correct? Oh, uh, so to seek asylum, really they've shut it down on the southern border. Um, people coming from Afghanistan, from Ukraine, um, Russians um, escaping from uh, Vladimir Putin's regime. These people are still allowed to come in and these people are allowed to come into the southern border because they can't be turned back um, and returned to their home countries. But what that's doing is it's creating so much confusion around who gets in and who doesn't get in that people are still queuing up in lines um, to see if they can get in. So to be clear, it, this we're talking the ones that are being mostly discriminated against, if I understand you correctly, are... Latinos and Mexicans coming from the southern border, but other groups are not. They can come in. I would say it's not Mexicans because in theory, Mexicans can come in because they're right across the border, but it's everybody else in South America or Latin America. Yes. Uh, if you come from any other South or Latin American country, they will not be letting you in through the, um, the border unless you come through four countries which have been designated access to asylum, which is um, Haiti, Cuba, Venezuela, and Nicaragua. So if you go through those countries, the Biden administration says that you have a better opportunity. They'll, they'll receive that, correct? Yes. Yeah, so if you come from those countries and you're saying, I'm seeking asylum, and you show up at the southern border in Mexico and you try to cross it, they will say you need to complete your application for asylum on an app called the CBP-1 app. Now, the challenge with that is, is there's only 70 to 100 slots a day for asylum applications. So you get in on 9 a.m. when, it, when the, the app activates, and by 9.05 a.m., it's full. And so what you're finding is, is that we're playing lottery with people's lives by determining if and how quickly they can actually seek asylum, even if they're from the four designated countries that have been pre-authorized. So people from other countries that are not South America, is, is, their, is their process as complicated? No, no, it's not. This is really targeting individuals that are coming from Latin and South America. It's making an exception for four countries and it is allowing Anybody else who wishes to seek asylum, whether you're from Afghanistan, Pakistan, Ukraine, Russia, et cetera, 
to be able to do so. I got you. I got you. And do they have to go through an app too, or they just? <laughs> no, they don't. Really? Really. Okay. So what? Why is the Biden administration taking this posture? Is this is this politics? Domestic politics? It's domestic politics. It's basically to say we will increase the legal pathways to come in, but if you try to use the southern border as a way to get in, it will not work for you. Right. And so the message is loud and clear. Do not come to the southern border. Mm -hmm. Do not sit on the Mexican side of the southern border. Even if you are allowed to come in to the southern border because you come from these four countries, we will still make it very hard for you to get into the country. So please do not come to the southern border. I got it. And, and Biden's political opponents make all the noise about the southern border. So that's why I got it. That's 100%. And the language from Republicans has been a wave, a surge. And, and we haven't seen that. If anything, we're seeing a trickle. And we have seen welcoming communities. We have seen communities mobilizing, not only in El Paso and San Diego, where they're receiving a large number of migrants or asylum seekers, whether they're coming in legally or illegally, which technically is your right if you're seeking asylum. Um, but we're also seeing New York City. We're seeing Chicago. We're seeing Washington, D.C. We're seeing Charlotte, North Carolina. We're seeing cities all across the country mobilizing to welcome these individuals. I just came off a conversation with the governor's office in Utah, and they are asking, how can we attract asylum seekers into our state? Because we have labor shortages and we need people. Mm -hmm. We are a welcoming state. So regardless of the fact of being Republican, uh, Utah being a Republican state, it has historically been a very welcoming state for refugees um, and those seeking asylum so or safety. And so what we're also seeing are company, uh, country, excuse me, we're also seeing our states on the other side saying, well, if you're processing people legally through these regional centers that are based in Guatemala and Colombia and Ecuador, how are you connecting the dots so that these people can come to our states so that they can work? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, you mentioned Haiti. I mean, historically, we've not been that kind uh, to Haitians, right? Um, but if Haiti is on this list now, I guess it still doesn't make much of a difference if you got this waiting piece and everybody has to get on the app and it's only 100 people a day. You said it's a trickle. So can you give us an idea how many a day it, it is beyond the 100? Um, 150,000. Wow. 150,000 people are waiting to get in. Hmm. And I will say, yes, you can come in if you're, yes, you can apply if you're Haitian. But, big but, you have to demonstrate that there's somebody on the other side willing to take you in and sponsor you while you're here. Mm. So for a lot of poor Haitians, they don't have family. They don't have friends. Right. And if they do, they don't have family and friends that can fork over $2,000 to say, we can financially support this individual to come into the United States while they're seeking asylum. Mm -hmm. So 150000 a day, Gina, or 150000 150,000 total, total are right. sitting on the, yeah. Okay, okay. So if I do the app and I don't make it in that group of 100, I have to try again the next day at 9 a.m. 
Wow, that's crazy. And <laughs> this is a a democratic administration. What 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 do we do to get the Biden administration to have the courage to move away from this kind of policy? It's politics at this stage. It's just all politics. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes no rational sense. It makes no rational sense in a country where 83% of growth in our working age population are immigrants and the children of immigrants. It makes no sense that in a country where we have this many labor shortages and that that is going to exist for infinity. It makes no sense in a country where the highest percentage of immigrants in our workforce today is higher than it's ever been in the past 27 years. Mm-hmm. It, it makes no economic sense. It makes no humanitarian or moral sense. Um, and I think it's politics. So I'm not sure we can move this administration in terms of who gets to come in. I think what we can do is to say when people do come in, we need to make sure they're set up for success. Right, right. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc when you visit arizona time is measured in moments not minutes like the moment you see the grand canyon for the first time visit a new state of mind learn more at hereyouareaz.com and i think Upperly Global has also suggested that the the U.S. government itself would would save money by making it easier for immigrants to come in and work. Do I have that right? A hundred percent. So, um, and not only would it contribute to the economic impact of the country, but also to taxpayer dollars. Um, but one of the things that we've seen, for example, is um, when we evacuated over 100,000 Afghans when we left Afghanistan, mm-hmm. um, we have not, all these individuals are either on humanitarian parole, which is a temporary visa category. It's a humanitarian category that lasts for two years. And uh, the Afghan Adjustment Act was introduced by Congress and not passed. It's been introduced a couple of times and not passed. What it would do is it would allow Afghans who are evacuated. And just as a reminder, these are the brave men and women and their families who served the U.S. government and the U.S. military, and many of whom have literally saved U.S. lives. These are the people we're talking about. Um, They have not passed the Afghan Adjustment Act, and it would save $70 million to pass the Afghan Adjustment Act versus having all these people apply for asylum. And we know the asylum system is overwhelmed. It's been overwhelmed for a while. We, we And this wasn't always the case. It has been defunded under the Trump administration. Um, and because of that defunding, there is a lot of rebuilding that needs to happen for us to be able to legally process applications. 
Um, and yet we're not investing that money in rebuilding the asylum system. Instead, we're making it harder for people to seek their legal right to asylum. And if we did spend that funding and money in actually fixing the asylum system, we would be having the right conversation, which is not who do we let in, but how do we ensure that we're able to process these applications in a timely manner so that we don't have a five-year backlog, so that we're not turning people away because we feel overwhelmed in, a, in a processing asylum applications. Um, and so I think that's the shift that the conversation needs to happen with this administration, which is build the capacity back and allow these people to access their right. And we have welcoming communities and we have companies and states who are eager to help set them up so that they're thriving. That's uh, that's important. You mentioned too that there there's some legal arguments or actually some legal cases being developed around this, and presumably that the Biden administration will be the defendant. That's right. Yeah, I don't get that politics either. I mean, if, if you're doing one thing for politics, does does a Biden administration need all of uh, our advocate and human rights groups suing it? I, I don't know. I don't get that. Why would they be comfortable with that? I think this administration sits between progressives on the left and hard-right Republicans on the right. And they want to be seen centrists. And that's very hard to do because anything that they do, they will upset either group. But I also want to be clear, only Congress can pass immigration reform. Only Congress has the right and, and the ability to change um, how we how we process people to come in. So in some ways, the Biden administration is saying, okay, we've got all these people. We don't have the capacity. I don't have more money from Congress to handle this. So let me figure this way out so that I don't upset Republicans on one side. And I don't, but you're upsetting progressives on the other side. And frankly, it's inhumane and illegal. So I think they're um, between a rock and a hard place. I think they have limited solutions at their disposal because they're not Congress. Um, and yet, I think they could and should be doing a lot better. And they should definitely not be breaking the law. So so are you saying then that the Biden administration, even if it wanted to, could only do so much unless Congress makes, and, and well, we know the Congress we have now, don't we? <laughs> That's right. It has uh, limited solutions at its disposal, but it does have solutions. I mean, they pulled together the National Guard to help with processing at the southern border, they could also be pulling in more civil servants to help with processing. Um, it's not a great solution, but it's 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 better, I think, than um, what's been put forward. Where do Republicans in Congress stand on the the right of those to seek asylum in the first place? It's interesting. Um, there are a number of Republicans uh, typically. Uh, the right to seek refuge in the United States is a very bipartisan issue okay. um, to, historically. Now, I think the challenge with the southern border in particular, and this is why we're seeing so much attention on asylum seekers coming from the southern border, not not those coming flying in from, from other countries, is because of the perception that um, they are not actually real asylum seekers and that they're playing the system. Um, but the reality is, is you can't cheat the system because you have the right to seek asylum. And if 
63% are being approved asylum. And we know that number would increase to potentially 80% if they had all had legal counsel. That's not really a lot of people cheating the system. Right, right, right. What do you want the public to do? Our listeners, others who are interested in this, what, what can we do? I think one, you could definitely push the administration, to uh, your Congress individuals to pass the Afghan Adjustment Act. I think two, you could ensure that you and everybody you know is knowledgeable about the fact that asylum is a legal right and people can seek safety in the United States, whether they come here legally or through illegal means, they still can seek asylum. And it doesn't matter if they transited through Guatemala or Mexico in order to get here, you still have the right to seek asylum. And that's important for people to know. It is an, it is an international right. It's a right enshrined in U.S. law. I think the other thing is we have to make sure that we are not perpetrating the myth and the negative propaganda against immigrants, that immigrants are extractive, that, they're ex that they exploit the system, when we know in reality that they are contributing um, you know, Upwardly Global works with, uh, we help place over 2,000 immigrants a year back into the, the U.S. economy. They're contributing 64 million a year based off of just that number. Like, these are people who are contributing. And that the people who are standing in line trying to get on that app are using legal ways to come in. And when you make it people desperate, that is when you get people taking desperate actions. So these people are trying to do the legally right thing. We're just making it so horrifically impossible. Um, and so I think people need to understand that. And then um, I would say, you know, there is an increase in resentment amongst, uh, amongst against immigrant populations. And um, we have to make sure that's not politicized. And the media doesn't help either. Because the media, <laughs> what, what you just reported in terms of the contributions that are made to the economy, I have not, I cannot recall a single mainstream medium ever cover anything that's 100 percent right and that's only two thousand people that we serve can you imagine what that actually looks like in the broad scheme of things so in terms of who you talk to us for those who don't know uh, tell us if you would gina about upwardly global your mission and, and what exactly what all you all are exactly doing yeah so we we are hyper focused on helping immigrants and refugees who are professionals in their home country um 50, almost 50% 50 of immigrants coming into the United States today have a college degree. Um, immigration has changed in the United States. These are not the people who built the Brooklyn Bridge. Um, they are coming with a, a variety of skill levels. Um, and we are seeing more and more refugees coming into the country that are coming from middle-income countries. So Venezuelans, Cubans, Ukrainians, Afghans, Syrians, many of these individuals are college-educated and have professional backgrounds. And so we help them re-enter their careers because the reality is, is they start from scratch, they start from bottom, 75% of our people live in poverty. And it is hard to imagine how you can be a civil engineer from Venezuela and be a rideshare driver, not able to get back into your career. So we build workforce solutions to ensure that immigrants and refugees get jobs at their skill level because we know not only do they benefit our economy, but they benefit our communities. Corporations cooperating when it comes to getting some of these professionals placed and hired? There's a big movement for companies who are super eager to hire refugees in particular. 
um, I would say one of the things we're trying to do is to get immigrants and refugees on the DEI map to sort of say, you know, immigrants and refugees are part of the diversity and equity conversation in this country, and that should be reflected on commitments that companies make. Um, and that diverse talent should be hired at every skill level. It should not only be at the entry level. Um, and I would also say that we're also, you know, I mentioned the state of Utah, but we're hearing from a lot of states that there's a real desire and, and need to be um, funneling talent. But, you know, also in transportation, we got real transportation needs in this country. We need talent at every skill level. So I think there's a desperate need. Um, and I think this is why this makes no logical sense. Yeah, um, you mentioned Utah. I'm, I'm almost afraid to for us to put that out there because they might find out and then take it back. I mean, that's a secret. I had no idea. <laughs> right, Utah ain't supposed to be like that. Maybe, maybe, maybe we better just, maybe we better hit it <laughs> keep that on the down low. Um, this is this is amazing, folks. And again, I think we all would do well. All of us are guilty of buying into the stereotype of immigrants because we don't know anything else. Uh, as Gene just told us, I mean, fifty percent of people are college educated. Who knows that? Who who has ever, uh, under the sound of our voices, ever heard that before? So this is this is important work uh, that needs to be done. And the Biden administration needs to be held account to account. And also, once again, this is the reason we vote, so that we don't allow Congresses to be elected by default that are one minute, we have to s save money and save the economy, so we're not going to increase the debt limit. Well, you would save money and save the economy if you would allow people to come in here to work. I think I just said, I think I just said something. Am I right? Yes, 100%. <laughs> and... Um, we just have huge labor market shortages. Right. This is not Clearly. a moment in time. This is our new normal. Mm. Mm. Okay, so and I just say that, and then I'll, I'll, I'll let you go. So, do we have, if if it continues at this pace, do we have a, a notion or an economic figure that shows what the negative impact would be? Um, you mentioned how much money the government would save, but if 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 this is the new normal. And folk are tripping long term. What happens to the economy if we allow that to just continue, Gina? Do you have any idea? Can you articulate that? I can articulate that, you know, on average, uh, an asylum seeker contributes about 20000 a year to the U.S. economy. Um, and so when, as we reduce, if we have a 25% reduction in the number of people that we're allowing into the country to seek asylum, that could cause an economic loss of $20.5 billion over a five-year period. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to hear that, but I wasn't expecting that. Okay. Yeah, that's so I can $20.5 billion, <laughs> that, that ain't chump change. Um, and I can also say that this is a challenge for almost every industrial or emerging economy around the world. Um, we recently saw China pass law legislation that requires people of a certain age to be on a date app and active on the app because they're trying to get people to have be more relationships and to have more kids. We've seen France recently change the retirement age because they're trying to get more out of the people that they have. So this is not unique to the United States, but what is unique is, is that we are a country of welcome. And so we have a real opportunity to benefit from that. The fact that we have people who want to come to the United States and rebuild their lives mm -hmm. and make the investments. And we know that once we do allow them to do that, 
we see huge um, impact in our economy and our communities. And other countries don't have the opportunity for asylum as widely as we're supposed to have in this country, correct? That's right. So I would say, um, you know, some European countries are trying to expand their uh, asylum seekers, like Germany accepted um, 1 million Syrians in 2015, and they're starting to accept more and more because they also need more people. Um, but, you know, the United States is a place where people believe that they can be safe and rebuild their lives. And that's why they come. Yeah. Yeah. And they should be allowed to. How can people keep up with all you're doing at Upwardly Global? Well, you can go to our website, upwardlyglobal.org, and find us and um, connect to any of your social media preferences, whether it's Twitter or LinkedIn or Facebook, and keep up with us. Wonderful. Upwardlyglobal.org, folks. We invite you to check it out, and we'll be following this story and keeping everyone posted. And, and Gina, you do as well keep us posted on what's happening with this crisis. Uh, Gina Krauseville, Mara, very special guest. Gina, thank you for joining us on Make It Plain. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. As always, perform an act of kindness on behalf of an elder or young person. Write a letter to a sister brother who just so happens to find her or himself incarcerated. Offer libations to the ancestors upon whose sturdy shoulders we all now stand. And above all, give thanks to the God of your understanding by whatever name you call her and him. All God asks of us is that we give each other love. Thanks for giving MIP love. And please remember to subscribe and give us a five-star rating. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain.